Fired Up show starts right now. And welcome, welcome everyone, and Happy New Year, America. Welcome to 2023. Right here, we are the Fired Up podcast. As always, we are looking at the political machine here in the United States. And this is your host, Steve. And we are just about ready to get started with another year, uh, 2023. And hopefully everybody had a safe and enjoyable New Year's holiday. And uh, now as we get ready to buckle down for the coming year, we are going to take a look and see uh, not only kind of the highlights of what transpired in 2022, Uh, All of the media sources have been talking about uh, the year in review for 2022. So uh, we will take a higher level view of some of the key things that happened uh, last year and some of the the elements that we brought to you uh, here on Fire It Up as we have a tendency to look at some things that uh, don't often receive a lot of widespread media coverage. So let's get into it, shall we? As always, uh, let's continue with keeping track of where we are with uh, COVID. Uh, Right now, we sit at 100.7 million cases have been uh, reported and 1.09 million deaths have been reported. 659 million people have received uh, vaccinations and should note that that Uh, includes roughly 80% of the American population that has received at least one dose of the uh, vaccine and just under 70% uh, of the population have received two doses. So we continue to make progress on that front and we will keep track and bring you any COVID-related news as we always do uh, throughout the course of uh, this year. So, as I said, I hope everybody had a safe and enjoyable uh, New Year's Eve. And we will uh, start off with a quick look at some of the highlights of what transpired in 2022 from a political standpoint. So, one would not be far off in saying that 2022 was something of a tumultuous year. Uh, There were several major stories that uh, consumed much of the political oxygen uh, in the year, not the least of which was the midterm elections uh, that occurred in November. Uh, But prior to that, we had several um, really, really uh, important news breaks that came uh, on the political front. Uh, For example, in... January, uh, Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer uh, had announced that he planned to retire at the end of the current term, uh, and President Biden committed to nominating the first black female Supreme Court justice. And he followed through on that uh, by uh, announcing the selection of Judge Katanji Brown Jackson uh, to fill the seat that would become vacated once uh, Justice Breyer retired. Um, That appointment occurred on February 25th, and on April 7th, uh, the Senate voted 53-47 
to confirm Katanji Brown Jackson as the first African-American female uh, justice of the Supreme Court. And it should be noted that since her uh, appointment and taking her seat on the bench, uh, her impact is starting to be uh, felt in bringing, you know, an an alternative uh, point of view, uh, so to speak, to many, if if not all of the decisions that have been made uh, since she has taken her seat. Uh, We continue to follow the the career and the progress of Justice Jackson uh, and will bring you, you know, updates and notable events that occur. Uh, but we we salute uh, her appointment to the bench and recognize that it does in fact uh, represent a a milestone shift in the uh, highest court in the land. Uh, in in other news, of course, we also had the invasion of Ukraine uh, by Russia uh, early in the year uh, in February. And, you know, as a result, many uh, governments around the world uh, imposed additional sanctions on Russia, including the U.S. banning the import of uh, Russian oil, gas and coal uh, into the country. Uh, we saw that, you know, the the blockage of Russian energy into markets around the world uh, actually uh, had an impact in increasing the uh, inflation, which had been creeping up um, from you know late 2021 into 2022 and continued throughout the year at some of the highest levels that had been seen in 40 years. And in fact, we are still uh, feeling the impacts of the high inflation rate, even though uh, the e- economists are indicating that the rate is actually uh, falling. Uh, we saw the uh, Federal Reserve uh, make uh, multiple hikes in the the prime rate to try and slow down uh, the the demand for capital that was fueling the inflation and so forth. So that is ongoing as we you know, cross over here into 2023. And then we also had the uh, select committee investigating the January 6th uh, insurrection at the Capitol uh, take its seat and on in, in June uh, presented its first uh, public hearing where it laid out uh, its uh, agenda and uh, timeline as to what the committee was going to present to the American people. Uh, it was a, a interesting and chilling uh, lead up to what would be a uh, full year run of the committee's reports and information uh, on uh, what they had heard in testimony and the evidence they had uncovered and all of that. And in in fact, um, we just saw in late December the release of the uh, final report of the committee. Uh, it is uh, 845 pages long. Uh, I'm sorry, I have not read all of it cover to cover yet, but I'm working on it. 
Um, even the summary is, uh, I believe, 145 pages. So uh, it was a, a very exhaustive uh, look at what transpired, not just on January 6th, but what transpired in the months leading up to the January 6th uh, insurrection. And um, uh, the, the upshot and kind of the overview of what was presented shows that uh, the uh, Republicans, uh, in particular the, the extreme right wing of the Republican Party, uh, as well as Donald Trump, uh, put together a multi-level plan uh, to uh, overturn the results of the 2020 election and to uh, in, install Donald Trump as president of the United States, even though the results of the election, which were proven in numerous, uh, in, in, in over 60 lawsuits that were, were brought by the former president, uh, which were summarily you know, thrown out of court or uh, determined not to have standing to, to the arguments. Uh, and their, their intention uh, became that if they couldn't win through the, the court process, uh, that they would uh, go through a process of trying to uh, usurp and negate the certification of the election, thereby throwing the results back to the states, which is how the, the procedure uh, is intended to work, uh, whereby the Republicans could exercise their majority uh, control of state legislators to uh, basically uh, disenfranchise uh, you know, 81 million American voters uh, and declare Donald Trump to be president of the United States once again. Uh, we are still uh, dealing with the aftershocks of the January 6th insurrection. Uh, the, the report that came out from the committee uh, lists uh, a, a number of people uh, in the Trump administration, including the former president himself uh, at the top of the list, of people that it was going to refer to the Department of Justice uh, to uh, seek further investigation and to uh, seek uh, indictment and prosecution for crimes committed uh, leading up to and on the day of and since the January 6th insurrection. So that drama is still going on. Uh, we will see what transpires uh, with the, the output from the Department of Justice, uh, we will see if, in fact, uh, the former president uh, is indicted uh, for actions leading up to the insurrection. So we will keep you posted on that, uh, but that's not the only uh, situation that hangs over the head of the former president. We also learned in 2022 that the tax returns for um, Donald Trump and for the Trump organization were finally released uh, to Congress and to the American people. Uh, this also occurred uh, near the end of December. And uh, so far, uh, the 
tax returns are generating a number of questions around practices that the Trump organization and the former president took in terms of how he filed uh, his income taxes from 2015 uh, to 2021. Uh, while he, you know, from before he was in office during to during his his presidency. And there are a number of irregularities and questions and questionable practices that have come to light, which you know also could lead to uh, prosecution of the former president on, you know, tax fraud, tax evasion and, and other related charges. Uh, in addition, uh, the, the firestorms raging around the former president uh, include ongoing investigations uh, and uh, potential indictments from the state of New York, uh, the state of Georgia, and, and other jurisdictions. Uh, so what we see is, you know, the, the former president is embroiled in a number of legal battles. Uh, that he will have to contend with. Lay on top of that the fact that he also uh, announced in a rather lackluster uh, uh, event that he was in fact going to run uh, as a Republican candidate for president in the 2024 uh, presidential general election. Uh, That also created a flurry of activity, uh, not only from you know, Trump supporters, but also from other political players in the Republican Party, not the least of which is the amount of attention that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis uh, picked up as a potential uh, competitor for the Republican nomination. So we will continue to see how that plays out. And then the legal world was rocked, and, and actually the, the political and public world was rocked as well when Politico published a draft of a majority opinion that was written by Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito that indicated uh, the court would strike down Roe versus Wade uh, in a decision on a related case uh, called Dobbs, uh, on, and that report came out on May 2nd. Uh, in June, the court did, in fact, uh, overturn uh, Roe versus Wade uh, in what is known as the Dobbs decision, the case out of Mississippi. And uh, this holding was that there is no longer a federal constitutional right uh, to an abortion. Uh, that singular event created, as would be expected, a firestorm of backlash from you know, sectors of the, the public community, uh, notably you know, and, and uh, largely uh, led by women for obvious reasons, and also played a key role in the uh, midterms held in November. Uh, which came as something of, not, I won't say a surprise, but something of an unexpected event in Republican circles as they felt that the furor over the 
uh, Roe v. Wade decision would have uh, mellowed out or died down by the time the midterms came around and the Republicans could then address the conversation to uh, attacking the Democratic Party uh, and seeking to gain control of uh, both the House and the Senate with uh, significant majorities and also uh, state legislator, state legislatures, excuse me, uh, and other political offices at the state level, which uh, were being sought by people who were uh, firmly in the election denier uh, camp uh, and, you know, supporters of, you know, the, the stop the steal movement and so forth. Well, the elections that occurred in November, uh, the Republicans did gain control of the House of Representatives, uh, but instead of a you know 25 or 30 seat margin that they had expected, uh, ended up gaining uh, only a five seat uh, majority, which you know politically does weaken their their strength in terms of what they can do in the House uh, because it becomes easy for you know those Republicans who are more progressive uh, to be stripped away or to vote across the aisle with Democrats and thwart some of the more radical Republican uh, agenda items. Uh, in the Senate, the the Democrats not only retained control of the Senate, they actually expanded their control by one seat, which, uh, although it doesn't sound like much, is actually significant in that uh, they have the ability to absorb uh, the loss of a Democratic uh, vote uh, to, you know, in, 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 in legal processes going forward. Uh, so the the conflict and confusion we had with the the cinema and mansion uh, stalemates throughout the last two years uh, becomes much less of a factor. Um, so it, it will be a lot easier for Democrats to do many things. They will actually outright control uh, committees. Uh, the chairman of the committees will all be uh, Democrats. Uh, there is no need for a power-sharing agreement uh, between the majority and minority leadership in the Senate. Uh, the Democrats will, will have sole um, uh, authority uh, from in, in terms of the Senate majority leadership. And you know, it will also uh, make it a lot easier for the Democrats to appoint and approve uh, federal judges, uh, something that the prior administration, the Trump administration, had gone great guns at to uh, to stack up the 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 bench with um, Republican appointed judges. Some of which, as we we saw in uh, one of the the uh, cases that came up uh, late in the year uh, are justices who were uh, either marginally qualified or not qualified at all to be a judge 
uh, on the 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 federal bench, and you know we saw the the upshot of that with uh, you know several decisions that were made that were highly questionable. Although we did see that the expected overwhelming um, uh, conservative record of the Supreme Court uh, was tempered somewhat in that there were several decisions that were anticipated uh, to be uh, decided in favor of a conservative viewpoint that actually were not as uh, justices uh, in the, the six uh, six seat majority on the bench um, actually, for lack of a better term, did what they were supposed to do is that they based their decisions based on uh, the law, the Constitution, and precedents uh, rather than a political decision. Uh, but, and that, you know, we have to put that caveat in there, um, there is still uh, questions about the politicization of the Supreme Court. Uh, one of the elements of that was the wife of Supreme Court Justice uh, Clarence Thomas, uh, Jenny Thomas, who is an active uh, Stop the Steal supporter and uh, election denier uh, and had been uh, and was and is being investigated for, you know, possible uh, involvement in uh, communications with, you know, not only members of the the Congress, uh, you know, but also members of the Trump White House uh, with regard to what was going to happen, what did happen uh, at, on January 6th. And, you know, that investigation is still ongoing, along with the question as to why, uh, because of his wife's involvement, uh, Justice Clarence Thomas did not recuse himself on several cases in which her involvement uh, would come into play. On the Democratic side, it should be noted that the uh, Democrats and, and President Biden uh, wasted no time in their first two years in office with moving uh, key agenda items forward. Uh, during his first two years, President Biden has signed the Inflation Reduction Act, which lowers health care costs, uh, sets caps on drug prices, uh, um, among other things, uh, particularly uh, people on, on Medicare uh, will not pay more than $35 a month for insulin, which is, which is a big issue. And uh, he also uh, signed what is called the PACT Act, which was a bill that would provide uh, improved health care for veterans. Uh, particularly veterans who were exposed to diseases from um, uh, burn pits where, you know, trash and other toxic elements were burned in proximity to uh, the residents or, or the, the billets of service people serving overseas. Uh, he signed the Chips and Science Act to uh, bolster U.S. production of uh, microchips and to uh, elevate our competition with China for dominance in the electronics industry. Uh, he took uh, 
and, and passed the most significant gun violence reduction uh, legislation in 30 years, uh, which, although not 100% of what he was seeking, uh, was still a significant uh, uh, advancement of uh, policies to help curb uh, gun violence. And, you know, that, that is very important in when you look at the fact that we had in 2022 611 uh, mass shootings and almost 3,800 uh, people lost their lives as a result of mass shootings in this country. Now, keep in mind that's also not all gun violence. The number of people who are, are injured and killed in gun violence in this country is, is much, much high, higher than that, rather. Um, he also uh, ended uh, our involvement in Afghanistan, which was the, the longest war that the United States has uh, been involved in in its history. Uh, and although you know, some controversy about that has, has been and continues to be raised uh, by Republicans, uh, the key benefit is that the war in Afghanistan is in, in effect over as far as the American role in it. Um, he signed legislation to address gender-based violence and um, you know the Violence Against Women's Act is now authorized through 2027 and includes new provisions to expand legal services for survivors and support underserved communities. Uh, he passed the American Rescue Plan, which was probably um, one of the largest components of his agenda uh, through the first two years. Uh, $1.9 trillion package uh, to help continue uh, combating COVID-19 and to supercharge an economic recovery. Uh, so the rescue plan uh, helped to get over 500 million shots in arms uh, against COVID, uh, delivered needed relief to families, um, sending over 160 million checks uh, to, uh, to qualifying Americans, expanding food and rental assistance, um, and, you know, work to reopen America's schools, which had, you know, for the most part, uh, been either fully or partially uh, shut down as a response to COVID. And uh, on top of that, he has uh, shepherded in um, among the largest uh, and most historic economic recovery, uh, added over six and a half million jobs, uh, the greatest year of job growth under any president in history, um, you know, and took action to combat COVID-19. And not the least is he passed uh, with bipartisan support an infrastructure law that will begin repairs on 65,000 miles of roads and uh, 1,500 bridges in the United States, along with other uh, infrastructure projects that had been hung up and waiting for you know, approval and, and action to move forward. Uh, these two will create many, many um, you know, hundreds of thousands of jobs, if not millions of jobs, in this country. So, you know, it, it's clear that 
you know, the Democrats with President Biden have, in fact, moved a lot of agenda items um, through the system and have, have brought them to fruition for the American people. So, you know, the, the, the idea that the Democrats weren't getting anything done um, clearly uh, was and is being proven uh, not true. And not only that, you know, it, it is part of the agenda items that Democrats ran on uh, across the country uh, in, in the midterms uh, to, to talk to and, and address the concerns of the American people, something that you know, is, is highly important uh, to be done. So you know, it, that's just a, a scratch-the-surface look at you know, what happened in 2022. There, there's a ton more, and I encourage you to go out and look at the various reports uh, from media sources that talk about what transpired in 2022 so you can get a fuller picture. All right, we'll take our, our break here. Uh, we'll do our message and then we'll come back and kind of look at what's going on now and you know looking forward into 2023. You're listening to Fired Up right here on WJMS Media. We thank you for joining us and we'll be right back after the break. We're often influenced by what we see and hear online. Researchers say Black communities have been specifically targeted online by bad actors that post false information about cultural issues, attempting to increase divisions in Black communities, influence how we vote, and influence public opinions. Here's how to stop the spread of cultural disinformation. Get information from reliable sources like experts, researchers, or organizations. Make sure you're not misled by information or quotes shared out of context. Check the account. Was it recently created or has zero followers? It may be a troll bot. If a story seems suspicious, don't share it with your followers. Together, we can stay informed and empowered. This public service announcement is from the National Black Cultural Information Trust. Learn more at NBCIT.org. And we're back. Uh, we're back. Uh, we have just completed taking a very high-level view of some of the uh, elements of what happened in 2022 uh, with regard to the political system here in the U.S. Uh, by no means a comprehensive list. There is a, a lot more of uh, both political and non-political news that made the headlines in 2022. Uh, definitely dig into your uh, search engine of choice and uh, look for 2022 year in review, and you will get you know a a full collection of uh, articles and opinion pieces from a wide variety of sources about what transpired in the year we've just completed. Uh, we're going to shift gears a little bit here and kind of look ahead into uh, what we can expect in 2023. And as an, an overview and kind of a theme, I think we are uh, in for a very uh, confusing, conflicted, and um, 
contentious year uh, in uh, both the House and the Senate uh, as we begin the legislative sessions uh, as of the broadcast of this show, for example, uh, we will see the uh, first battles uh, for who is going to become uh, Speaker of the House. Uh, There's been much news made about uh, the House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy's bid to become Speaker. Uh, and the struggles that he has been, and, and at least as of the, the recording of this show, continues to face to achieve the 218 votes uh, necessary for him to be elected Speaker of the House. Uh, ordinarily, you know, with, in, and I, I put this in air quotes, in a normal political year, uh, which we have not seen in reality, in the last, uh, I don't know, decade, um, the you know majority would elect its speaker from you know its its members in the house. The speaker of the house needs 218 votes, and what we have seen transpire in the weeks leading up to to the new year is how um, Representative McCarthy uh, has been short in the number of his colleagues that uh, appear uh, to be supportive of him becoming speaker. Uh, This has led to some very interesting news stories about deals that McCarthy may or may not be making with Democrats in order to to gain you know some of their votes to get to 218 uh, and also, you know, the the list of potential contenders for the speaker's gavel that, you know, has has appeared and materialized over the past few weeks. In all truth, um, most of the analysts uh, in the political realm agree that McCarthy will, in fact, uh, achieve the the speaker's position Although uh, it is possible that it will take more than one vote and that uh, he will have needed to make some deals with not only his caucus, but also reaching out for uh, some level of Democratic support in order to obtain that goal. Um, in, in other elements uh, with the House, the majority leader-elect Steve Scalise uh, put out a letter on December 31st that listed uh, 11 uh, bills uh, called, and and again, using air quotes here, red meat legislation uh, to his Republican caucus that, you know, will will come to light in the next couple of weeks uh, of the new Congress. Uh, In his Dear Colleague letter to the caucus Friday, uh, he enumerated uh, several pieces of meaningful, ready-to-go legislation uh, that he intends to bring to the floor uh, and uh, move through the House. Uh, One little fact that he seems to be ignoring is that uh, each of these items, um, you know, while he's calling them ready-to-go, 
uh, in a, a more real sense are would be classified as ready to go nowhere since the Democrats uh, maintained their majority in the Senate and therefore uh, basically can kill any legislation that uh, they don't like uh, pretty much on arrival. Now, that's not to say that there are some bills that um, will have support from the more conservative uh, members of the Democratic caucus. And yes, there are some conservative Democrats out there. Uh, but in, in a broad sense, much of these uh, pieces of legislation uh, would be deemed as controversial and um, are, you know, antithetical to uh, longstanding uh, Democrat traditions. Uh, one of them, for example, uh, is uh, a bill called the Born Alive Survivors Protection Act. Uh, and this is uh, intended to ensure that infants born alive after an abortion receive the same protection of law and degree of care as any newborn. This bill will likely uh, follow the same path to nowhere that the um, no taxpayer funding uh, for abortion and abortion insurance full disclosure act uh, had when it, it uh, will not be considered in the Senate. It will be laid on the table to collect dust essentially. Um, so, you know, the, the idea here is, you know, to make permanent um, the longstanding Hyde Amendment as well as similar provisions to prevent federal funding of abortion and funding for any insurance plan that includes abortion on demand. Another element contained in Representative Scalise's letter uh, expresses the Republicans' desire to exploit the immigration issue and uh, this uh, is uh, extorted in two proposed bills, uh, although one of which may have an unattended consequence with the gun lobby. Uh, the first one is, you know, basically a taking to task, uh, purporting to address the crisis at the southern border by empowering the Department of Homeland Security to turn away illegal migrants at the border if the secretary of DHS does not have operational control. Uh, but unlike that uh, expression, uh, there's a, the, the second one that requires the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, uh, called NICS, to notify U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, a.k.a. ICE, and relevant local law enforcement when a firearm transferee is illegally present in the United States. Now, what that means in plain English is that if uh, an illegal uh, uh, immigrant or a person that does not have legal citizenship status in this country uh, is the recipient of a transferred firearm, then that would get uh, reported through this NICS system uh, to ICE and local law enforcement so that that individual could be arrested and removed from the country. So, you know, they, the idea is that, you know, at, at least with this legislation, that they are seeking to control the movement of illegal weapons among illegal immigrants. 
they also, they being the Republicans, also plan uh, this, uh, a bill, you know, put up as kind of a grandstand against President Joe Biden regarding energy policy. Uh, the one bill that they are proposing would prohibit non-emergency drawdowns of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve without a plan to increase energy production on federal lands. Um, so the, the idea being that, you know, for basically a gallon for gallon or a barrel for barrel uh, uh, equivalent here, that if they're releasing barrels from the SPR, that there needs to be an increase in production from you know, drilling uh, on federal lands to compensate for that release. Uh, the other side of that bill uh, prohibits the Secretary of Energy from sending petroleum project products rather from the SPR to China. Now, this is somewhat misleading in that uh, we do not, as a practice, send uh, our oil to China. However, there is nothing uh, in the current legislation that uh, prohibits, and, and this is something of a fine point, is that you know the oil could be released to a third party uh, who could then turn around and transport that oil to China once it is in, you know, quote, their possession, close quote. Um, so, you know, that bill is, you know, again, one of these pieces of legislation that is intended to, you know, fire up the base uh, and really is not expected uh, to go anywhere uh, in you know, in in Congress, as again, the Democrats control the Senate and they essentially control what bills, if any, will proceed forward and get to the president's desk for signature. So, you know, those are just a few of the the items that Republicans are proposing uh, on their agenda for 2023, which are likely to go exactly nowhere uh, in uh, the Senate. Uh, and, and it should be noted that, you know, this, this is not anything new. Um, in, in prior administrations, Mitch McConnell has played this game uh, tremendously over the, the uh, years that Republicans controlled the Senate in that, you know, Democrats would uh, bring a bill uh, forward and basically it would, as the expression goes, lay upon the table uh, in the Senate, uh, never to be heard from again. So, you know, uh, again, I think if there's any indication by this this letter and by what we're hearing in terms of the political rhetoric being uh, bandied about, uh, we are in for uh, at least two years of uh, conflicted uh, government. Uh, we are in line for, you know, two years of finger pointing and and all of the political shenanigans that go on when one party controls one uh, one house and the other party controls the other one and essentially little if anything gets done at the end of the day so as 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 the voters as the people 
our role, as we talk about on this show, you know, continuously is to stay involved, stay engaged, stay educated and keep communicating with our elected officials what we want them to get done. You know, and, you know, this this is going to be uh, critical as we go forward, given that, you know, we are are in this uh, post insurrection, you know, charged uh, period where the the level of political rhetoric is high and, you know, the the energy of people is more focused toward opposing what they disagree with rather than supporting uh, what they do agree with or what is beneficial for the country as a whole. You know, we have seen this, this scenario play out uh, over you know, a, a long time, going back you know, even into the Obama administration and before. But you know, in the last six years, we have seen this escalated uh, with the emergence of this you know, highly vocal, if small relative to the overall electorate uh, percentage of uh, Republicans on the extreme right that you know, are, are want to express their opinions uh, and try and move the political needle in a direction that they favor. So we will, we will keep up on how this progresses uh, and it will become part of what we talk about on a, you know, a regular basis uh, over the course of the year. So, you know, let's, let's turn, turn gears for a second. Uh, I know we talked about kind of the highlights of 2022 uh, in the first segment, uh, but I want to circle back uh, and and talk about you know something that was demonstrated quite uh, loudly, quite if not effectively, but uh, clearly uh, showed itself uh, in the midterm elections. And it, it goes to what is likely a somewhat prophetic statement from Mitch McConnell, where he sort of predicted the outcomes of the midterms, uh, laying it in part at the feet of what he called, quote, poor candidate quality, close quote. Um, and, you know, we saw this play out uh, very, very clearly in the uh, runoff election in Georgia, where uh, Republican candidate Herschel Walker uh, kind of self-destructed himself uh, over the course of the campaign through you know a, a series of uh, controversies and scandals and missteps and misstatements and other things that clearly kind of showed him to be an unqualified candidate for the the position of a senator in the United States Senate. Uh, what we have seen post-midterm is uh, a, a new poster child for kind of the uh, incompetence that seems to have, have floated to the surface. Uh, and this is in the person of Congressman-elect George Santos from New York. Uh, so 
he has yet to be sworn in as a member of Congress, but has already apparently uh, started his grifting career, uh, you know, through several things that have come to light um, in, in recent days. Now, Congressman Alex Santos is already under criminal investigation for, def um, for defrauding the voters of New York's 3rd District uh, through, you know, misstatements and, you know, lies and, and mistruths that he put forward about his education, about his uh, work history, uh, the, the number of um, untrue statements uh, or outright lies that he made in his campaign uh, to, to gain election um, are very long. And now what we're learning is, according to reports, that he was uh, setting up and is, is trying to perpetrate a grift of a tour of the Capitol grounds from Team Santos uh, and, you know, uh, basically selling access to him, uh, including uh, charging a uh, campaign contribution fee uh, to attend the swearing-in ceremony. Um, and, you know, again, just the... the the gall of, um, you know, this person in, in not even having his seat in Congress and already uh, wrapped firmly in uh, grift and controversy. So, you know, so the, the swearing-in ceremony um, is, as the article says, is not a premium event. It doesn't require a political donation. Um, you know, so he's clearly already monetizing his congressional career, and it really hasn't even got started. Now, this is nothing new in the Republican caucus, um, you know, and, you know, George Santos is uh, among uh, esteemed company, like, for instance, uh, soon-to-be former Congressman Madison Cawthorn, uh, who appears to be treating his election as an opportunity to live the high life, to uh, you know, essentially line his pockets and grift away, you know, as as much as he can from his uh, constituents and supporters, uh, you know. So another example um, of what is being come known as the Trump effect, where you know, like the former president. Um, issuing out, you know, the the Trump cards, NFTs, you know, at, at 99 bucks a piece and, you know, seeking to find ways for his supporters basically to fund the lifestyle. Uh, this is something that, you know, we need to uh, look at and act on on a couple of fronts. One, we need to make sure that candidates for public office and and you know we're talking federal here when we're talking about santos but this applies you know as we always say all the way up and down the chain we need to know that the people who we are sending to office to represent us 
um, are in fact qualified to do the job. Uh, we have seen uh, whether it is, you know, in uh, appointments and conferees to the federal bench that have no uh, judicial experience, have not prosecuted a trial as a prosecutor, uh, and have decidedly limited legal expertise, uh, are appointed to uh, positions at the, the federal appeals and district level uh, that they are not qualified for. Uh, so, you know, this just speaks to what we always say here on this show is that you have to be engaged. You have to know uh, who it is that you are casting your vote for. Uh, and, you know, when they don't measure up to what we need, you have to be ready to walk away from that that candidate. On on the additional front, you know, one of the things that comes out of the investigation into George Santos was the failure uh, of the the system to effectively vet this candidate to verify his or her credentials and make sure that that they are in fact qualified to hold the position. Um, you know, being a a congressman in Washington or being a senator in Washington isn't something where you just uh, sit, you know, arrive, sit down at your desk and raise your hand, yay or nay, uh, on, you know, various issues that come before you. Uh, that was what appeared to be the expectation, you know, of, you know, Herschel Walker, that he would be, you know, just another vote toward the Republicans gaining majority in the Senate. Um, and, you know, the fact that he actually got so close to becoming a senator should be a cause for concern, you know, by us, the voters, that we really need to have a system that, you know, effectively vets our candidates for these high offices, considering the power that they gain, uh, you know, in, in, in their job. Uh, additionally, fault can be laid at uh, the Republican Party for not effectively vetting its candidate. Fault can be laid equally at the feet of the Democrats for not uh, sufficiently elevating the shortcomings uh, and communicating that to the voters so that they could make an informed choice. Now, there, there were a couple of articles uh, from the Democratic Party that did talk about Santos's qualifications, but they were half-hearted at best, uh, were not pushed or followed up on uh, in, in the media, uh, which is the third guilty party here. The media uh, clearly fell down on its job of, you know, transparency reporting and bringing the the information on candidates to the attention of the voting public so that we could make an informed decision. So our, our goal going forward as, as we pursue, you know, future elections is we are going to have to make sure that we are getting the full story. Uh, we are going to have to, you know, ask questions of these candidates uh, about their background. We cannot be afraid to question their their bona fides to question 
their experience. Um, when when you have, you know, a an individual who makes statements, you know, that you know they graduated, you know, valedictorian from a college they never, in fact, attended, uh, then you know, and, and we let that slide. That really is more on our fault than their fault beyond the fact that that they told the lie we are are complicit as voters if we ignore that lie and vote for them uh, for you know other reasons now the idea that the republicans would put forward candidates who are uh, less than fully qualified simply to have a head count that is neither surprising nor new but the fact that we let them get away with it is something that we have to address. So, you know, there's a lot of a lot of elements uh, that came out of 2022 that showed some of the weaknesses in our political system that we're going to need to to get our political leaders from local to federal levels uh, to address. Uh, we can't have, you know, un totally unqualified individuals sitting in the seats of power in Washington, D.C., or in your state capitals or in your city councils. Uh, the, the results of what they do are just too critical to our everyday lives. So as always, we need to make sure that you know, we are getting our information sources from as wide a, a collection of uh, sources as possible not just listening to a few and not just listening exclusively to those that express you know, opinions or stories that line up with our political viewpoints. You need to know what the other side is thinking. Uh, so the, the second point is uh, we cannot be afraid to, uh, to speak truth to power and say, no, this candidate you know, is patently unqualified and we will not support them. So uh, going into 2023, we have essentially the same homework assignments that we've had in, in 22, 21, 20, and so forth to make sure that we are educated, informed, and active. So the last thing I want to talk about in the few minutes we have remaining is to kind of give a look forward uh, at some of the things uh, that are going to be coming from uh, the Fired Up podcast, uh, as as well as um, announcements that are coming from WJMS Media. Uh, so what's going on with Fired Up? Uh, eventually, and, and by eventually, I mean over the course of, you know, the, the next um, month or two months, we are going to be looking at transitioning from an audio-only podcast to a video podcast um, working on you know getting the set that we will use uh, finalized and we're going to be going to a video presentation so yes you'll be able to get to see my face as I provide uh, the information to you in addition uh, we have some uh, merchandise that we are going to be placing on the WJMS uh, merchandise portal. And if you go to, um, go to the website 
you will see the links for uh, our merchandise or WJMS Media's merchandise uh, portal. And I don't want to steal the thunder, but there's some good stuff there. Um, I strongly encourage you to go check it out. And you can find that at WJMSradio.com. Please go check it out. So that's going to wrap up our first show for 2023. Thank you all, as always, for tuning in. Please make sure you lock us in and keep up with us during the course of the year as we continue to bring you uh, news and information about how the political machine here in the United States works. Uh, As always, I am greatly appreciative of your listenership. And if you have any comments or questions or items that you'd like to see us discuss, please send an email to the show at firedupradio at yahoo.com. I look forward to reading your emails and addressing them on the show and, you know, taking everything you say to heart. So as we move into 2023, please stay safe, stay protected, uh, do what you need to do to keep yourself, uh, you know, uh, illness free. And, you know, as always, I'm so thankful for all of you that listen And I look forward to bringing you some more news and information on the political front in seven days.